Hello and welcome. Welcome again to this podcast hosted by Andrew Mowat called the EdTech Toolbox. In this podcast, we take some time to deep dive into the value more than the functionality of a particular EdTech tool or app. This week, we spent some time with the wonderful Sophie Debu and Genially. Now, Genially may not be well known, but Genially is in the area of graphic and interactive development, probably comparable a little bit to Canva, but takes a step further. And we'll explore that with Sophie when we meet her in a minute or two. But first, a bit of an announcement. Things are changing as they do rapidly. Now, I'm not talking about the world and COVID. And by the way, I hope that this finds you well, your family well, and that you're in a place that's relatively okay. Uh, My thoughts particularly go out to those of you if you're listening from India. I hope things recover and build well for you. So to this announcement, and I must say I'm a little bit surprised by sometimes how quickly things can change. So when I started this podcast, I had a certain strategy in mind and in working with my partner at Ignited Tech, the founder of Ignited Tech, Craig Kemp, and the strategy was quite clear back in January. That has since changed and we are now working together on a very large, audacious and ambitious goal to bring a particular new platform to the world of learning. And uh, that's something I'll talk more of later on. But it does mean that I'll be a little less frequent with these particular podcasts. Now, I know at this stage, probably the listenership is not huge, and that may not matter too much, but at least it gives you some clarity on why there have been some delays. Besides, of course, um, my Pfizer jab a few weeks ago which slowed me down quite a bit. So with that in mind, be aware that we will be watching and changing the way things work over the coming few weeks and months, and that we may change the way that this particular podcast works as we integrate it into our new platform, as we build quickly with a short runway and start to bring some ideas of extending professional learning in a deeper way and delivering on the promise of transformation. Now, in some ways, that's the theme for today. If you think about the fabulous platform that is Canva, we create uh, beautiful graphics. We were helped along the way to construct with a whole lot of templates, and then we have our learning asset, but it's static. And in many ways, that's where the engagement stops. We place it where we want. We use it in the way we want. But at the point of engagement with Canva, the engagement has finished and we use the image, the video, um, the slide deck, the post in whatever way that we want as a static tool. Genially is different and genially allows you to build in a whole range of engagements and interactivity with that whole sense of graphical interface, building graphical tools. This opens up quite a new range of opportunities in the area of pedagogy and andragogy. So as you listen to this, again, don't be too caught up with how Genially works. We're looking at why is this a good tool for teachers in particular, teachers of K-12, teachers of uh, the tertiary sector, and even teachers of other adults in the world of professional learning, why this should be a tool that you should consider. 
So welcome, everyone. Um, you'll probably tell even just from the introduction that Sophie and I spent a lot of time laughing together. Sophie Debu is a great friend of mine. I've uh, known her for a number of years now, probably since about 2013 or so, sometime around that, when we worked together as colleagues at the Australian International School in Singapore. Since then, she's moved on from the classroom and is contributing to a whole world of metacognition. And better for her to tell us than me. So welcome, Sophie. Give us a quick introduction and what are you up to and what, what's your line of work and your focus of work these days? Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you today. It's really nice. We're connecting again from far away. Indeed. But we are. So what I do yeah. to do so now I'm not in, in Singapore anymore. I'm in Luxembourg and I've been in Luxembourg for about six or seven years. I can't even remember. And I I've been working as an educational uh, consultant with schools, companies, and also individuals. And I really, uh, my focus is really into learning how to learn, engagement, curiosity. So, so then, you know, I guess I, uh, I, I'm, I'm connecting with you on that topic because I think we're both aligned with all of this. So there's a lot of work that you're doing in those 21st century skills of creativity, curiosity, collaboration even. And uh, what sort of work are you doing with schools? What are some of your projects? Yes. So I, when I work with the schools, I work on or with the ecosystem, with teachers, students and parents, so that we have the same language that connects us all as learners. And my my way of doing it, I would say, is through social, emotional and metacognition. And so I created some years ago, a, I would say, a, a, an approach called the agility of mind. And the idea is actually to enhance awareness of how we learn, how we think, how we we. E, we go into emotion, I like to say that, and how we communicate. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. Wonderful. And uh, this is the space in which we're connecting. We both are tragics, if you like, or, or devotees of the whole idea of metacognition, neuroscience, understanding how learning happens. And for me, one of the things that we'll talk about today is the clearly the genially platform one thing I'd like to do to frame the conversation is that I believe that as teachers, and specifically for this reason, we are custodians and curators of experience for our students and our children. The reason I say that is, interestingly, in the younger brain, say less than 25 years old, it's experience that drives neuroplasticity more than anything after that age, and I think we're both past 25 a little bit, after that age, it's a different dynamic. Um, it's not so much experience. Now, the irony is that as children, the and particularly young children, children don't have agency over deciding what their experience is. Adults do. So therefore, it's incumbent on us as educators to craft, create, um, curate, and, and be custodians of that deep learning experience. And so to genially as an example of something that can do that, and this whole podcast series is all about 
technology that does a lot of this. So tell us a little bit about Genially. I Genially. I, I must admit I'm not a I'm not a user of Genially, but I after talking to you, I want to be. How would you describe it? And what do you think this platform and app might be? When I discovered Gen Genially, Genially we can actually say it the way we want. Uh, it was a year ago and um, I discovered it through a, a training, like a you know, an innovative training online. And I thought, mm, that's actually interesting to go on it because on, on that app or that, that platform, I felt that was this interaction that I couldn't find anywhere else. And you can create anything with it. You can, you can actually ask even learners to create anything with it. So you can create choice boards, you can create presentation, you can create digital escape rooms you can create um like interactive images you can click on uh you can what else you can actually create a newsletter of even a book i haven't tried yet uh a flyer so many things in fact it's it's brilliant so it sounds to me what sets this apart say, from platforms like Canva, and Canva's been showcased already in this series, and it's a fabulous tool for teachers. But what you're saying with this, it's it's more just than the static content, that once you produce the content, uh, and there's great value in that creativity, of course, but once you produce it in something like Canva, it's static, whereas in Genially, there's a life to it, there's an emotion, there's an engagement with it. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. You can create, I like to say, universe of knowledge um, that, that the, on your, the audience can navigate through. And that's what I really thought. I mean, for me, it was like, like a vortex that, that drives learning, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It was really, yeah. I mean, and you yeah. know how curious I am. And so I just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just by clicking on it, I be- became like a little child. I went back into, you know, Sophie <laughs> being 10 yeah, years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've got a bit of a picture of what this is. And as we've discussed in planning for this conversation, and as you've heard me do with other people, there are two models that we like to pitch some technology against to see what its deep value might be. And the first, of course, is SAMA. Now, there are resources in the podcast series where we'll explain more, but SAMA, for those people who have, have not heard of SAMA, S-A-M-R, a model by Ribbon Puntadura. Now, excuse me, I don't know if you can hear the jets flying past. Um, I'm from my home office here and I live very close to an airport, uh, so we might hear some F-15s go past. It's all safe. There's no problem in Singapore. It's just all a part of everyday life here. So Ruben created this model, which describes the learning value of a technology or the, the value that the technology contributes to the learning. A substitution, augmentation are the first two, and these are... Uh, things that enhance the learning. And then we get to modification and redefinition at the very top. And these are transformative versions of a technology. So it sounds to me that this is doing way more than just straight substitution and adding some functionality. It's doing way more than that. It's lifting up into modification and redesign. One of the ways you can do that is either through collaboration, working together, or publishing out to a broader audience. So does Genially do either collaboration or publishing to a wider audience? Absolutely. You can publish everything 
online. You can actually share with peers. You can you can ex- maybe create experimentation uh, that are multimodal, and that's what I I really like about it. Um, it's not just like I think we talked about together. It's not just a PowerPoint that you share online or you know in the classroom, and then people are looking at it and they're passive. Here, you really can cre- you can actually enable the learner to create, publish, share. It's just mm-hmm. phenomenal, and they have so many different templates that they can choose from. It's mm-hmm. more than a hundred. Wow! Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah, and that's often uh, one of the big blocks for someone starting in a creative space. And one of the great success factors of Canva is the starting sort of frame, even uh, font and images. And so, it's really fabulous to hear that. Uh, so clearly. We're starting to move into digital spaces where a child can take, um, uh, have agency or control over the creation process. They can do so with other kids in real time, face to face or remotely, yes. and you're still nodding. And then when it's published, it can be published out to a wider audience. And we, I mentioned before this idea from Ellen November who says, publish to the world, because when you know strangers are viewing your work, um, people in your same age bracket or, or others who might be looking at it, there's a sense of accountability to the learning and the production, which deepens that way more than what I remember when I was a child putting posters on the back of the wall or even as a young teacher, you know, you get kids to do a poster. That was the thing. And then uh, only the cleaner and the teacher gets to see it or parents if they come through for parent-teacher night. So I want to compare it with ages then because this is, for me, where it gets more interesting And ages, of course, is a model from David Brock, Mm -hmm. and others have heard this before. Attention, generation, emotion, and spacing. It's the holding of attention so that work is done in the brain, the generation, the triggering or the provocation of emotions that are helpful. They're not always positive, but we'd like them to be positive, joy, surprise, um, discovery, curiosity, those sorts of things. And then spacing, where we actually put the the learning moments out and we distribute them over time rather than doing them in one sharp hit. So what would you say that this uh, platform and this app does for the ages model? How does it stack up? Well, for the attention, it's like signaling the, the, the important topics and, and presenting new information. And, and I like the fact that it's, it, it enhances this curiosity. It really brings attention to another level it brings, like you said, really well. You said they become more active, uh, they're more engaged, they're more into the subject, like hands-on. So they're definitely more attentive, and they tie more like information in many different ways, many different formats. So you can actually use it um, as a pre-learning experience as a learning experience as a post-learning experience you can actually use it as a gamification uh, experience it definitely i think brings ages uh in into the mm. the learning would you say that yeah so clearly the different forms of content and workflow hold that attention And what I'm hearing you say is that the very fact that there's 
a collaborative or a global publishing frame to this that it it creates the desire to mm-hmm. work deeper mm-hmm. and learning is where the work is so if you work harder you learn more literally and it sounds to me that the emotional frame is there too because you'll get the gamut of emotions ranging from sometimes the frustration you get in collaborating the stretch and the need to negotiate your way through ideas that don't quite gel through to joy discovery and even pride when something goes up online so these these are how ages actually works and for the first time i've actually heard all the time i've been saying um technology delivers a lot of age but not s and for the first time i've heard an example where it's starting to deliver on the spaced piece so that's really interesting yeah absolutely and you can actually create like projects small assignments like courses from the beginning till the end it's 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 phenomenal how this can be done i mean i thought it was brilliant it's more like i think mm. we said like immersive like you know it's an immersive mm. experience and when it's fun and immersive it works better for the ages right yeah mm. It does. It's almost that situation where kids are learning, but they're not aware of them learning. And I think that's one of the great tricks of education is if you take anyone into a space where it's not obvious that this is about you have to learn this and it's just a tool that you engage to deepen your experience and your the, the productivity and the output through that immersive experience, then it's fabulous. So I'm, I'm hearing a few things then, and it's definitely something that I think people should check out. I'm hearing emotion a lot. I'm hearing autonomy, yeah. uh, creativity, yeah. curiosity. Um, it's not a linear workflow, mm-hmm. which opens up the need to discover the best way to do things mm-hmm. rather than being told, start mm-hmm. here, finish there, like a recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, have I missed anything that's a key feature? I, I actually... I've noticed, and I wanted to share this with you, I've noticed that in classroom, most of the time, we work on retrieval much more than even encoding, um, so which is the very beginning of the memorization process. Mm-hmm. And this, for me, creates that encoding process much more and at a deeper level. Uh, I think may- maybe mm-hmm. we could add that um, because, it, like you said, they are actors of their own learning journey which makes a, a huge difference. Mm. Uh, they're not just spectators of, of uh, mm. you know, of their learning. And they're so much into an, an enjoyment. And it's not linear. It, it actually, you know, usually yeah. uh, we just go number one, number two, number three. And here they can actually yeah, yeah. Uh, bring on um, many different thoughts. Uh, uh, and then those who really need those those ways of thinking are really uh, mm. you know um, happy about it yeah. i've seen that in at different levels in mm. different for different ages because i'm lucky to touch uh different ages but not the first one not your ages but so it works for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it works for all yeah. the different yeah. ones yeah. <laughs> beautiful that reminds me of again alan november and people have heard me speak of him a lot the two questions that have framed a lot of the value of technology for me, in fact, even good pedagogy, who owns the learning Mm -hmm. and who works harder. And in our traditional settings Mm -hmm. where we've got linear curriculum delivery, 
uh, it's students don't own the, own the learning. And in many ways they can't because the curriculum is prescriptive. It has to get, we have to get through it. But if we break it down into what we do in a class, then we can start to shift the balance into this frame and this sort of activity where kids are owning the learning. And certainly with this, um, they are working harder than the teacher. That's the key to this. Whoever works harder learns the most. And of course, in a classroom, a conventional classroom, teachers work very hard and they can't imagine a world where kids work harder than them. So that's one of the tricks. So this is definitely something I think teachers um, uh, and even non-teachers, I notice that the site has a number of templates that are uh, aimed at a number of different contexts. So if someone's listening to this and you're not in education, this still uh, may add some tremendous value. And for me as a learning designer with adults, uh, that's definitely something I'm going to look more deeply at. What I do like, what I look for, in platforms like this is the ability to embed what you've done in different places and embed code like embedding a YouTube video or a Mentimeter uh, survey or um, a Flipgrid Mm -hmm. example. I've embedded these into different workspaces and that's where it becomes super powerful as well. And I do notice that generally allows embedding. Not sure if you've done any embedding yet, but that's something I'm going to look more closely at. Definitely. So... So with that, what would you close as a summary? What would you close this with as a conversation? What would you say is why someone should look at this? I think that bringing more memorable and meaningful learning is key, I think, today to to actually uh, be connected to either the young the young learners or the the less young learners. I think that <laughs> bringing this this um, bri- visual metaphors and, and in, in context, um, uh, delivering a message that that is, I think, meaningful is essential today. And I think mm-hmm. that I definitely think that genuinely does it. Um, there are maybe yeah. other devices, but this one really struck me as being one of the of those platforms and rare platforms through this interaction and like you said a little earlier this can be done whether you're in a classroom or if you're even a, an entrepreneur and you want to uh, put something online and 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 bring um you know a a solution uh, for for your clients it really works at so many different levels and I think if I, I think I would say just be curious. I'm, I'm just discovering it mm. in a way. And, um, and it's, it's great for hybrid and, and for virtual learning, fully virtual. It works for classroom. Mm. It works for home. I mean, work, working, uh, company environment. So give it a go. I think I would say, give it a go. There are Good so stuff. many things. Um, so many plans. <laughs> Wonderful. And I, I will disclose that neither of us have any financial connection to uh, Genially, nor would they be necessarily aware that we're even talking about them. So uh, it's just to, to be clear with the audience. So just as a, a closing piece, how can people be in touch with you? What's the best way? Uh, is it um, an email link or is it um, uh, through LinkedIn? What's the yes, best way people can be LinkedIn, in touch? Through LinkedIn, definitely. They can send me a, a message um, I just created a, you know, a website and uh, it's still new. So I'm still, you know, 
polish, polishing it up. Uh, but definitely through LinkedIn, yeah, it would be lovely. Me. Lovely. So Sophie, it's actually okay. a French name though. Sophie Le Dornier, mm -hmm. So Okay. Yeah. Mm. Cool. So um, I'll put that link in the show notes so people can be in touch with you. I'll also put a link to Genially. And uh, thank you very much for exploring this with me. As I said before, it's not really a functional exploration. It's not, does it do this? Does it do that? It's really a discussion about its value, the value that this ed tech can bring to deepening the value of the work we do as teachers and more specifically, improving the outcomes for kids uh, by paying more attention to what they need. So thank you very much, Sophie. I wish you all the best for the rest of the morning where you thank are. You. It's afternoon here in Singapore. And we'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you again. Thanks a lot. Have a lovely sure. end of day for you. So thanks again, Sophie. It's always energetic, enjoyable, and informative when I connect with Sophie. And I'll have her contact details in the show notes. If you want to reach out to her about programs of metacognition and mind agility, then please do so. In winding up and finishing, as I normally do, I'm calling out Craig Kemp's podcast, the Ignited Tech Podcast, now up to episode 48, soon to hit the magic 50, Craig, and that's fabulous to see. So I commend that podcast to you. It's fabulous listening and very informative. So until the next podcast, I wish you all the best. I hope today's been helpful and stay well and take care. Thank you and goodbye.